0: this is Education Matters, brought
1: to you by the Ohio Education Association.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents more than 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members around the state. Our members are truly amazing people, doing amazing work in their communities. Most of the time, they are unsung heroes, quietly going above and beyond in their schools and on their own time to meet the needs of their students and set them up for success. Occasionally, their work catches the attention of a community organization that takes a moment to recognize that extraordinary educator. That was the case for Taraja Shepherd Allen, a school counselor in Columbus. She was named Junior Achievement of Central Ohio's 2020 Educator of the Year. Taraja, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Congratulations on that award.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak
0: with you. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with Junior Achievement, what is that group all about and what's your connection with their work?
1: So Junior Achievement is an organization that works with students um, all over Central Ohio, actually all over the nation, but specifically within Columbus City Schools, they have programs for elementary, middle, and high school that connects our students with business leaders, helps them learn about financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and just gives them some practice and soft skills.
0: And as a school counselor, I feel like those are probably important skills that you're trying to impart as well.
1: Yes, as a school counselor, it's definitely important to make sure our students are ready for the world of work and beyond. We're always looking at how we can help our students succeed in the post-secondary environment, whether that's going to college, whether that's going into the military or starting their own business. And so having those soft skills, being armed with 21st century skills, being able to communicate, work in teams, and basically navigate their own lives as financially responsible adults is essential.
0: When you found out you were being recognized as the 2020 Educator of the Year, what was your reaction to that?
1: (laughs) Honestly, I was just in complete disbelief. I I wasn't really sure why I was earning this award. I mean, I was definitely honored. Um, I was appreciative. I I appreciate being nominated. I I appreciate being recognized. I, I appreciate having the opportunity to earn the award. But I don't think that I do things any different than any of the other school counselors, any of the other educators, teachers, you know, other staff members that work with students. I just want our students to succeed. I want them to have opportunities to be exposed to things beyond their neighborhood and to see the many different pathways available to them. And so I wasn't sure what I was doing different that made me stand out because these are just things that came natural to me.
0: You have been a school counselor for nine years now my understanding, you've been at every level, elementary, middle school, high school, and you just moved to the high school in the middle of the pandemic. Talk to me a little bit about that experience.
1: So I'll say this year has definitely been somewhat of a challenge, um, and it's definitely been a period of growing for me, um, as well as many of the students. So yes, I began my career as an elementary counselor um, for four years, four years at the middle school level, and as a matter of fact, This year, I transitioned to high school along with many of my students from eighth grade. And so I transitioned to two school buildings. So I am a new school counselor for the high school level at two different buildings virtually. And so learning all the different technology, understanding the needs of the building, working with different sets of guidelines and procedures that each school kind of has Understanding the different climate and the culture and just getting to know the community at two different buildings virtually So it's been kind of a challenge um, similar to the students. So I definitely understand where some of our students are, you know, struggling with Zoom fatigue, I get where it's hard to navigate and you know know where to look and to understand all the different resources. I'm so used to if there's something I don't get, something I don't understand, I can pick up the phone and call someone, I can knock on someone's door, stop by someone's office. Um, but now it's a lot of of digging, um, and it's exciting. I'm learning different skills. I do not usually use social media, but I'm definitely learning how to use the Google platform to my advantage. I think the other students are as well.
0: Obviously this year has been a challenge for your students. COVID changed everything. The schools abruptly shut their doors back in March, 2020. And as we speak now in January, 2021, many of the school buildings are still not open for in-person instruction. They had to prioritize safety. What has that been like for you emotionally to deal with all of those challenges?
1: safety is definitely the number one priority. And I know for many of our students, whether they're at the middle school level, and they're just coming into high school, or whether they're established in high school, the social arena is very important to them. And so I know that there's been this misconception that, oh, all of our students don't necessarily engage with people in person, they're all online, they're always on their cell phones. Well, we have definitely seen that through this pandemic, students are craving that interaction that face-to-face communication for a lot of our freshmen this is their first experience in high school and they haven't stepped foot in a school building yet um they're not quite sure who to reach out to or how because they met all their teachers virtually or via email and so i know many of them were looking forward to playing sports and to joining clubs and all the cool things that there are about high school with dances and some of those things that aren't necessarily always academic, but that are just as important to the academic and high school space that students would be used to or at least looking forward to. And so I know that it's been rough. I've had students who, you know, have shared that they're experiencing some depression, that they are unmotivated to go to class. They don't quite see the point. And so the hard thing is that I would normally contact them and meet with them at lunch and stop by their classes and check on them. And now all I can do is send them an email and a phone call and hope that they'll join me for a Zoom session. And so, you know, in the evening, you're often worried, like, hopefully that email, that phone call, that that brief Zoom session was enough. Um, and you're just hoping for the best. You know, you're hoping that maybe something that I said or something that I post Um, in my Google Classroom is something that's going to motivate them and help inspire them.
0: Do you find you have more sleepless nights now with the COVID restrictions than you did when you were able to see them in person?
1: I don't know that I necessarily have more sleepless nights. I think having done this job for the last nine years and having been in various school environments and unfortunately having experienced some real unfortunate trauma within those school environments, I have learned to be able to practice a little bit more self-care and to be able to separate, you know, my school life and work life from my home life so that, you know, I have three kids and I want to be able to be a good mom for them to be a good wife to my husband and just be a good person to myself Um, but I must say that I do find myself doing more things in the evenings and the weekends than I typically would, but I try to, you know, at least get sleep at night.
0: Do you find that, that self-care, the, the taking care of yourself to be the good mother, the good wife helps you as an educator become a better educator? Yeah.
1: I think that, um, you know, during this pandemic, we've all gone through a variety of emotions, The, the frustrations, With not getting your Zoom links to work, the Wi-Fi shutting down, (laughs) and feeling like you're only working up to like 20% of the capacity that you used to work at when you were in a building. And so sometimes you can be hard on yourself. You know, I, I must admit that when I earned this award and people were telling me congratulations and, you know, saying how awesome of an achievement it was, which it is, I didn't feel like that same counselor. And so fortunately in our professional development that we've recently been having, we've incorporated a lot more mindfulness, um, breathing, yoga, um, taking opportunities to stand and stretch in between Zooms, um, having a cup of tea, and then just being compassionate to yourself to understand that you're doing the best that you can with what you have with the situation that's in front of you. And so not taking to heart like, oh my gosh, I did a lesson and only three kids turned on their screens. Um, Was it effective? Is anyone paying attention? Or, you know, I sent all these emails and only two people responded. You know, it's about knowing you're doing the best that you can and so is everyone else. And so just remembering that it won't always be like this, taking time um, to just appreciate what you were able to accomplish and going in fresh each day is definitely going to help you when you're speaking with someone who's really down to not join that down bandwagon, but maybe say a couple things that are inspirational um, that may help you know, uplift their spirits or at least give them a new mindset and perspective.
0: And I'm sure you've had to get very creative through the, <laughs> the pandemic here, trying to reach those students not being able to see them in person, again, has to be a major challenge. What are some of the ways you're still able to reach your students? And what are some of the lessons you've learned from this experience that you think you'll be able to continue when you go back to, you know, life as normal?
1: One of the things that I started utilizing when schools first shut down in March was a Google Classroom. And so, you know, I know some people have like a Facebook or Instagram or their schools have these like really fancy websites, but Google Classroom was kind of my thing. I could post stuff. I can embed videos. Students can respond to me in the chat. I could schedule things out on students' calendars and they can join in. And so I found that that's something that's been pretty helpful. I think one of the things that's really been helpful for me with that is that I do weekly check-ins. I do office hours. And I may only have a handful of students who come to those. But I know that those handful of students really got something out of it. Because if they turn on their camera, I can see them. And they can let me know how things are going. But the fact that they even came, that's a lot of steps. You know, you had to read my email. You had to go to the classroom. You had to log in. You had to then see that there was something going on and then join in with me. But what I found also helpful was that, when I was doing this all the way from March through June, I had about 200 and something students. I'd only hear from about 20 or 25 of them. And only a handful would join in. But every once in a while, I'd check the chat or I'd read an assignment um, that I posted or check the responses on a Google form. And I'd have different students who respond to it. They may not do all the activities. They may not always participate, but they're definitely reading what I'm posting. And so that's definitely inspiration for me to continue to do it. Because even if I don't hear from them, I know that they're still getting a message from me and I'm planting seeds. And obviously, it's something that they are interested in because they're still involved in my Google Classroom. I also call them and Zoom with them as well. But I think that that's the way that I've found that I'm reaching the masses.
0: Do you think your students deserve more credit than the wider community is giving them right now in terms of their engagement and in terms of what they're learning and taking away from this year?
1: Yes. And it's hard because I don't want to lump all the students into the same kind of box. So I'll say that there were some students who this virtual environment has been an excellent opportunity for them. Um, Maybe they haven't been always very engaged in school. Maybe they're kind of um, introverted is what some people may say, and not really the kid that always stands out as raising their hand in class and things like that, but having an opportunity to have some quiet time and some space and some flexibility to do things on their own has been an amazing opportunity because they've been just cranking out their work, watching the videos, doing all the different things. For some of our students though, who maybe they get their energy from other people, they're more extroverted, Um, not having those opportunities to engage socially um, has definitely been a struggle. Sitting and staring at a screen, possibly having siblings running around in the background or not having consistent Wi-Fi, or just having some other adult responsibilities to kind of help younger siblings get on their Zoom classes and making sure that their work is done is definitely a challenge and those students need credit for what they're doing as well, because we're all trying to navigate through this at the same time. But I think that there's also the other group of students that for a variety of reasons, whether they were displaced um, for their homes or whether you know transportation was an issue, they're now having an opportunity to engage in school more Because they don't have that issue with, oh, I missed the bus or I couldn't get to school or, you know, I would get there, but then I would be late and I would be sent to peak or out of school suspension or in school suspension because now having the opportunity to just connect virtually has been helpful. One of the things that I hope we continue into the upcoming school year, uh, whether we're virtual, whether we're hybrid, or whether we're just completely in person, is allowing parents to connect with us through Zoom. I think that having the opportunity to have parent-teacher conferences, to have office hours and other opportunities for parents to engage with us without bringing themselves, their kids, and all the different things that they have going on to the building just for 15 minutes to talk with us would be beneficial. Having these Zoom meetings where your parents can kind of instantly access with you. You can share your screen. You can show them what's going on. You can teach them how to navigate so they can help their student. I think that that's definitely something that's beneficial that I hope we carry into the future.
0: And I have to assume in the workplace moving into the future, Zoom uh, and some flexibility to work from home and all of those things will be part of normal working life. When you're working with your students about what their post-secondary lives are going to look like, What part does that sort of crystal ball into the future play?
1: Well, technology is definitely going to be key. Knowing how to, you know, send an email. (laughs) Let's start with the basics. Sometimes I I get the emails and I'm like, maybe we should have some lessons on email etiquette. So that's going to definitely be key. Knowing how to send an email. I, I know that we took typing classes out of school, unfortunately, and so you know, knowing how to complete assignments and tasks online in a quick amount of time is going to be essential. Making sure that you're always presentable, because I imagine that As the world becomes more global, as we're interacting with people from all over, and as how teams are not always made up of people that are near you, it's going to always be important that you show up professionally. Is your hair done? Did you wear a nice shirt? Are you still laying in bed? Some of those things that we're talking to students about when they come to class, that's going to be essential. And then making sure that you're able to collaborate in a virtual space, making sure that when due dates come up, that you're prepare to meet those due dates, making sure that you're keeping pace, that you're asking questions, that you're advocating for yourself, and you're looking for who can you contact if you don't understand some things. I know that one of the things that I'm experiencing with some of our students is that they're a little bit timid to contact their teachers directly. Sometimes I play the role of the intermediary and I send an email seeing c- c- you know, the teacher and the student and the parent, but when they get to college, I don't imagine their school counselor um, or their academic advisor is going to be emailing the professor and their parent. And so if we can help students to be able to feel comfortable beginning to send emails and advocate for themselves and to ask questions. That's definitely going to be essential because if they're in college, if they're at the world of work, or if they're in the military, those are definitely things they're going to need to be able to do.
0: Why is imparting those skills something that's so important to you personally? Why is this something you're passionate about?
1: Well, these are life skills you know, as a school counselor, I'm an advocate for students becoming the best version of themselves. And so regardless of what our students options for after graduation, as far as going to college, going to the military, starting their own business, they're going to have to be able to navigate their environment. So are they going to be able to get to work if they have to catch the bus and they, the bus is late or they're not sure where they go, they get off the wrong stop, can they ask someone for help? If they're at work and their supervisor gives them an instruction as far as do this and do that, they don't understand something, or a customer asks a question and there's some piece of information that they don't have, are they gonna be able to ask for help and still you know, appear competent to that customer and make sure that they retain that business. Or if they're in the military, you know, are they going to be able to follow those orders or impart that wisdom to another person or their team? You know, those soft skills are truly important. You know, when working with junior achievement and working with those different business leaders, they always are talking to our students about how they work on teams with people that sometimes they don't like. Sometimes they're working in teams with people who are older than them, but they're the person who's the lead on the team. And so it's always about how can you be the best version of yourself and be able to be a leader, to advocate, to stand up, to ask questions, to be vulnerable and accept help in any environment.
0: I have to imagine it's a little harder to impart those skills via Zoom versus (laughs) in person. How hopeful are you that your students are still getting those messages? And what would you say your big message is to students with probably months, maybe more left in this pandemic before they can be back to what life was before, the before times that we're all so used to?
1: Well, I think the one thing that's good to keep in mind is that we won't always be in this pandemic, but I don't think we will ever quite return to the way that life used to be. And I hope that's for the better. I hope that we've had an opportunity to reflect on what's important to us most and whether that's family, whether that's friends, whether that's our education, whether that is our health. And so we've had the opportunity to realize that maybe we were, you know, a little bit cavalier with, you know, washing our hands or, you know, maintaining our personal hygiene habits. Um, I hope that we're able to walk away with this with new appreciation for all the things that are to come in the future. and so. Education is always important, whether you're learning skills in college or whether you're at an apprenticeship or whether you're building a new computer software or creating your own baking business. Education is important. You always want to invest in yourself. And so whether you're doing it at home with all this extra time to kind of enhance some of those skills or whether you're back in the school environment, education is, is key you know having the opportunity to train and to learn things and to always grow and build yourself because at the end of the day that's all you're going to have left and what kind of legacy are you going to want to leave for yourself for your children for your community what do you want to do and hopefully students are taking that away from the pandemic that we're always won't be in this but what did i learn and what did i grow with and what do i plan to take in the future with me that will help me in 2021 and beyond.
0: Taraja, thank you so, so much for your time. I so appreciate your perspective.
1: Thank you. I appreciate having the opportunity to share. and Hopefully something I said, you know, inspires or motivates or provides some hope to someone else out there.
0: Well, that does it for another edition of Education Matters. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We welcome your input on this episode or what you'd like to hear about in the future send me an email at educationmatters at ohea.org or connect with the Ohio Education Association. We're at OhioEA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, stay well.